I want to talk to you about something today that is probably one of the most powerful forces that operate in our lives. And I don't think we're aware of it a lot of the time. It actually drives us. In, in fact, it determines a lot of what your future is going to look like. I mean, I'm sure if you're anything like me, you'd love to know, gosh, what's my life going to be looking like five years, 10 years time, or even 18 months time? Where am I actually heading? I'm going to look at one word in particular that is going to define a lot of what our future is going to look like. And the word that I have for you today is hunger, because hunger defines us in so many ways. And it will decide where we put our time, our finances, our energy, you know, what our lifestyle is going to be like. And so one of the most important questions you can ever ask in life is what am I really hungry for? What drives me? Where is my life heading? Here's my question I want to ask you right now. What are the three things, if you can name them, that you're hungriest for? It's worth sitting back, reflecting for a few minutes and trying to answer that question honestly. Salman Khan said, a lion runs the fastest when he is hungry. It's an interesting little thought, isn't it? We're going to run faster when we're hungry for something. So we just got to make sure that thing we're hungry for is the right thing. And hey, it's going to make you run faster. So what do you think would possibly be the greatest hunger you could have in your life? What would be the most powerful thing, the most important thing? What, what should be at the top of your list and mine in terms of what we should be hungry for in our lives? The answer is found in Matthew 5 verse 6, which says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Filled with God, filled with his blessing, filled with his favor. When we hunger and thirst after God, when we get this right, it's going to release the maximum possible blessing in our lives. We're going to see God do things that I think will surprise us. As Church Unlimited, we often talk about a prophetic word we've had, leave me astounded. When we hunger and thirst after God, he is going to leave you and me astounded. I've experienced that so many times in my life. And the more hungry I am, I find the more often God does leave me astounded. The Bible says the hungry person will be blessed. In Matthew 5, the Beatitudes, I reckon the word blessed is used nine times in possibly Jesus' very first sermon. But did you know what blessed actually means? It means happiness and contentment that is not affected by negative or adverse circumstances. Wow. Hungry for God, when your contentment and happiness is not affected by the things going on around you, wouldn't that be an incredible place to come to in your life and in mine as well? Happiness. I like to serve a God whose first sermon talks about contentment and happiness. That's the kind of God I want to follow after. And if I'm honest with you today, I am happier today than before I was saved. I'm happier and more content today than I was 10 years ago or even five years ago. This is true. If you hunger and thirst after God, it is the pathway to the most blessed 
possible life on planet Earth. Now, as I often say, that doesn't mean there's going to be no trials. That doesn't mean there's going to be no hardships or, or pain or suffering. Or, hey, that's part and parcel of life on planet Earth. But the beauty of this verse is in the midst of that, would you believe in the midst of that, you can still be happy? You can still be content because contentment and happiness is actually an inside job. It's more to do with what's going on inside you. And the closer you are to God, the more you can be happy and content when circumstances are going against you, which unfortunately is going to happen in life from time to time for all of us. Smith Wigglesworth that we've heard so much about is just a mighty man of God, saw a miracle that very few people have seen. But there's a verse that marked his life that characterized who Wigglesworth was and permitted him to step into realms of God that very few experience. And that verse was found in Psalm 63, verse 8, which says, My soul follows hard after you. My soul follows hard after you. I remember when I heard that that was his key verse, I was challenged by it. And that hunger for God opened the heavens over his life. And I believe one of the keys to an open heaven God's favor, blessing his power is a hunger for God. Listen to this verse. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. There's a lot of truth packed into that kind of unusual kind of statement, isn't it? Every bitter thing, it says, tastes sweet. Well, how is that possible? But what, is this, what does that actually mean? I think what it's actually trying to say to us is this, that when we are hungry for God, really hungry for God, even bitter experiences can have a sweetness about them or give us a sweet taste in our mouths. We know that trials make us bitter or better, sweeter or more sour. This is what I believe. When you're really desperately hungry for God, there's something in your heart you just so want to please God. And so as you're going through this bitter experience, there's a cry in your heart. Number one, you're saying, I'm not going to get bitter. I'm not going to get resentful. I'm not going to let unforgiveness get into my heart. And then at the same time, you're saying, God, will you do a work in my life through this bitter experience and make me a better Christian, change my character, or bring me into a closer relationship with you. And over the years, we have seen, and through Scripture, you see that people go through bitter experiences that actually come out closer to God. So there is a sweetness in the bitter thing. If you're hungry for God, you will find something to feed off from any sermon, from any preacher, whether the preacher is one of the best on the planet or whether it's just a, a kid that's sharing a few verses or something that happened in their life or whether it's a young person. When you're hungry, my point is everything, you know, prayer, worship, listening to sermons, it all tastes good and it satisfies with it. That's the power, the tremendous power of hunger for God in our life. Well, it's obvious that I'm not speaking this live, but we are all together, Church Unlimited campuses across our nation and beyond. So from Kaitaia, Whangarei, the city, of course, the West, Rotorua and Sydney, we're all here 
together. So I want to welcome everybody, the whole family of Church Unlimited to listen in on this message. So what do you do if you start to realize, even as you're listening to me today, that you're actually hungry for the wrong things? Your hunger for God's not what it should be, but boy, your hunger for some other things is way beyond what it should be. Some of us, you know, sometimes in life, we need radical intervention. Sometimes we need disruption because we're going down a wrong pathway. We're heading in a direction that's not good, not healthy. It's not going to end up in the right places or it's not going to help us be all that God's called us to be. And I pray today as you listen, if you need divine intervention in terms of what you're hungry for, may God do it. That would be a great blessing for you. Maybe you need a disruption and you think, this has really disrupted my plans and my thinking and my thoughts. Sometimes that needs to happen. And if it does happen to you, embrace it because blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be filled, filled with God, filled with His favor, filled with His blessing. I can think right now of some things I'm more hungry for than I should be. And I need to try and work on those things and deal with them. And I remember thinking a while ago, God, how do I deal with some of this stuff? I know I'm more hungry for this and this, not terrible things, but not th- it's just more hungry than I should be for it. And how do I deal with that? And then it's like heaven spoke to me, not audibly, and said, kill it. And I thought, like, what? Like, yeah, kill it. In other words, stop feeding it. If you want to kill something, you stop feeding it, you know. And so there's a verse came to mind with that, which is Colossians 3, verse 5. Therefore, put to death your members, which are on earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, You can make that hunger for things that you shouldn't hunger for. Covetousness, which is idolatry. So, for example, if sport means too much to you, you just watch more sport on TV than you should watch, how are you going to cut that off? How are you going to stop? Just start watching less. I mean, you may stop watching it entirely, but maybe just stop watching it less. Or if you play too much sport and it's consuming all your time, maybe you need to miss a few games or a season or something just to deal with that thing because you've recognized that it's taking more of your time and attention than is right. And only you can really decide that, but it's, it's hindering you, you know, really walking with God. It's hindering you fulfilling His plan for your life. It's hindering you serving God and His church and the community. It may even be hindering you getting to church. Friend, let me say, it's just not worth it. Kill it, put it to death, or at least severely injure it so it has its rightful place in your life and not beyond that. Maybe for some of you, the problem is not sport, but your magazines, novels, reading material that may not necessarily be bad or wrong, but you know that you just are into it too much. You say, well, how do I know if I'm into it too much? Well, just make a comparison. How much are you reading these magazines novels compared to reading your Bible. And I think that will probably give you some idea. So again, how are you going to kill it? Well, you just got to stop reading it so much. Maybe don't buy that magazine for a month. Or maybe stop reading novels, you know, for for a few months. I don't know how you're going to do it, but kill it. (laughs) Injure it. Stop it. If 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 you have decided and you know you're more hungry for it than you should be. I have discovered this. Once you stop feeding something, it's amazing how much the desire for that just starts to decrease in a remarkable way. Because I've I've done it in some areas of my life and I've thought, wow, I just decreased that area a bit 
and the desire dropped away quite significantly. So it's actually not as hard as you might think it is. So kill it. Get rid of it. If you spend too much time, here's a big one. Young people, old people, everyone listen. If you spend too much time on your computer, computer games, internet, DVDs, movies, Xbox, Fortnite, whatever it is, I know some of you are guilty. Across campuses, hope you're listening. Stay tuned because if you're guilty on this one, I really want to encourage you very strongly, deal with it kill it somehow. How do you do that? Just cut it back. You know, if you're spending, I have no idea what time, how much time people spend on this, but say you're on computer games. Can I add social media in there, please? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, how much time it consumes. Now, I don't know what your time you're spending on. I don't know what even is acceptable, but say you're on, you know, an hour, two hours, movies, you could be three or four hours. You could be 20, 30 hours a week. Just cut it back. Cut it back enough that it actually hurts a bit. You think, oh, maybe when Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me, that meant that some things in order to follow him are going to be a little bit painful. They're going to hurt a little bit. Nothing compared to Jesus going on the cross, by the way, if you want to make a comparison. Let it hurt a little bit. Because what's at stake? At stake is your walk with God. At stake is an open heaven over your life, which comes with hunger for God. What's at stake is being blessed by God, which is happiness and contentment, regardless of your circumstances. What's at stake is fulfilling your destiny and God's plan for your life. What's at stake is your eternal position in heaven and your rewards, which are determined by how you live your life for God today. There's a lot at stake. So if it hurts, if it's painful, it is worth it. Kill it, put it to death or at least diminish it significantly. And you'll be surprised that when you do that, how you're going to find your hunger for God suddenly starts to go up to a whole new level. And boy, then you're going to really start living the life God intended for you. There's a principle in life that what you feed grows. <laughs> for some of us, we just got to look at our stomach. <laughs> and we know that what we feed grows. Anything you feed in life is going to grow. So if you feed hunger for God, that's going to grow. Can I encourage you to join with the church, reading through what we're doing at Church Unlimited, reading through the Bible in the course of one year. If you do that and manage to get through the whole Bible in a year, I can almost guarantee your hunger for God will increase. And certainly your hunger for the Bible will increase. Other things that you can do, what you feed is going to grow. You know, if you attend prayer meetings, half nights of prayer, join in prayer and fasting. Your hunger for God is going to grow. It just cannot not grow. So see some of the simple ways of what you feed is going to grow. It will also increase the spiritual temperature in your life. So you're no longer lukewarm, but the fire of God is increasing in your life. And as we've been saying before, as your hunger grows, it also opens the heavens over your life and you're going to start to see breakthroughs and miracles that maybe in the past you were not able to tap into. Hunger for God is just all important. So I began to think, I began to think this question, try and answer this question. I was putting this message together. Gosh, well, what am I hungry for? <laughs> I'm preaching to everybody else. And I just start back, sit back and relax and start thinking, God, what, what drives me? What gets me up in the morning? What are the things that I am really 
hungry for. I think maybe at the top of my list, and I'm, I'm trying to be honest, is a closer relationship with God. I want to satisfy the, the aching and longing heart of God for fellowship, intimacy, and communion with me and with all of his creation. I, I just have this feeling that God is, I don't know if you can say desperately lonely, but certainly longing. He created you and me for fellowship. You go back to the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, God walked with them in the cool of the day. That was kind of like God's dream. God's dream was relationship, fellowship with us. And I think that's never changed. I think more than, even more than us serving him, he wants us to love him and have that personal walk and relationship with him. If you think of any kind of relationship, husband and wife, what do you really want? Or friends, what do you really want? Someone who's just going to serve you? Well, some husbands might be a bit like that. But seriously, don't you want someone who's going to spend time with you, going to love you, talk to you, going to have openness, honesty, intimacy? So that's one of the things that really does. It's a real longing and a passion in my heart. Another thing that really does drive me is this real passion in my heart to fulfill God's calling, His plan, His will for my life. And the reason that means a lot to me is I know that my standing in heaven, as I've already said, is going to be determined by the extent to which I fulfill the reason God put me on the planet, the rewards I get for heaven. It's all going to be determined by how I stewarded the gifts and callings of God on my life. So it's almost like everything's at stake. Eternity is at stake. This, I mean, this is going to go for billions of years. So I've got to make sure these, these short few years on earth, I maximize it completely as much as I can. God, I've got to do your will. I've got to fulfill. You know, to be able to say like the Apostle Paul said, you know, I've run the race. I've kept the faith. I've finished the course. Now is laid up for me the crowns that was waiting for him as well. So that really does uh, drive me in a significant way. Another thing that gets me out of bed in the morning is a real hunger and a desire for this broken nation of ours, of New Zealand. A nation that tragically has drifted far from God, once was, you know, was doing okay. It was never, percentage-wise, never massively saved, but it was, doing, it was doing okay. But today, we sort of seems to be on a spiritual decline and people turning away from God. The church is not making any real great advance. And so as a result of that, when the church is weak and the nation is weak, then everything is downhill. I have a, a dream in my heart to see New Zealand rise again and to see it actually turn to Jesus, to see the spiritual temperature of the church increase and to see the percentage of Christians in our nation uh, dramatically increase. This is as you know, New Zealand and beyond. But that drives me. I can't stand by and watch New Zealand just deteriorate more and more. I'd like to say, you know, that can't happen on my watch. And as long as I'm around, I'll do everything in my power and by the strength and the grace and the anointing that God gives me to see this nation turn to Jesus, but also to see the nations of the world impacted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. With that, of course, seeing the church no longer not hold or cold, but lukewarm, but seeing that change 
and a church on fire for God. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing if all the churches of New Zealand were just passionately on fire for Jesus? That would bring community transformation. That would bring transformation into cities, eventually into our nation, and beyond that, to the nations of the world. So there's some of the things that really do drive me, but maybe if I have to be really honest with that, there's a couple of other things that drive me as well, and that's uh, having more chicken curry. I am quite driven by accessing curry. I'm often asked my wife what's for dinner tonight, tomorrow night, if I know curry's on there. I'm, I'm a bit more energized through the day. Maybe that's one I need to tone down a little bit. And of course, I would like to play better golf. So that does, yeah, I have to be honest because I look at my bank statement. There are a few golf payments in there. More than there should be, maybe, but there you go. So let's wrap this up. Can we start to wrap this up? I just want to give you some practical tips that I found useful of how to actually increase your own hunger for God. So campuses, listen in. If you've not listened to anything up to this point in time, I know that you want a greater hunger for God because the blessings are so awesome. So why don't you listen in? And maybe I've got about six tips, I think it is. Maybe two or three of them, you might think, wow, I'm going to grab that. So would you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Stop listening to my voice. Of course, the Holy Spirit's going to come through my voice, but is there something that God's going to give you? Because if you can grab one or two of these, it's going to change your life forever. So the first one I want to suggest is very simple. Why don't you just ask God? God, will you give me a greater hunger for yourself? James says you have not because you ask not. When was the last time you asked God for a greater hunger for himself? I reckon that is a prayer that he will answer. If you ask God to give you a greater hunger for himself every day for the next three months, may not even be that long, I can guarantee you will get a greater hunger for God. And that would be such a great prayer for you to pray. Second thing is empty yourself of things <laughs> that drain your hunger for God. And I think we know, obviously, if we just do the wrong things, compromise lifestyle and you know, just filling ourselves with all this other stuff in life. Some of the things we've already mentioned, like magazines or too much sport or things like that. We fill ourselves up with everything else. Our hunger for God is not going to be what it should be. So put, look, think of it this way. How do you get your kids to eat vegetables at dinner time? I know most parents are putting up their hands and just saying, impossible, giving up on that one. Can I ask you to try again across all campuses? Here's my suggestion. I'm no expert on this because uh, I was raised in a day when there wasn't that much junk food and we never got it anyway because parents couldn't afford it. But if you want your kids to eat good food at night, don't let them eat too much junk food or any junk food during the day. Limit those lollies, those burgers, those ice creams, those chips and dips and muesli bars and whatever, all that stuff. And I reckon there's a chance that they'll be more hungry to eat the right food at night. And I know a lot of parents are looking at me and thinking, Pastor, you have got no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and you may well be right. But I think you get my point. If you fill up on junk, you're not going to have the hunger for God. So you've got to empty yourself of anything that you think could be limiting your desire for more of God. What you feed increases. So here's another one. Walk with those who are hungry for God. Now, that's, that's probably not too hard to do. Try and find some people that are really passionate for God, hungry for God. I mean, I'm hungry for God. And if 
come to our services. Hopefully you can pick up a bit of hunger in your own life because you know what you're, who you're connecting with, relating to, really does impact on you in a massive way. So find someone who's hungry. Find people who are hungry and hang around them. In contrast, if there are people in your life that are not hungry for God, that are worldly, that are going in the wrong direction, cut it off, kill it. You might say, but they're the only friends I've got. Yeah, but if the only friends you've got are taking you in the wrong direction and away from God, that's going to affect your eternity. It just isn't worth it. Again, we talked about the cross. Yeah, maybe it is a real cross to take up. Take up your cross daily and follow me. To disband or move away from a friend that's a bad influence, it's a cross. But I want to suggest it probably is worth it. Here's a, here's a quote on this one. Uh, a couple of quotes I found. If you're not as hungry as I am, we can't eat together. Interesting thought, isn't it? That's from Jeremy McGilvery. Find, here's another one. Find someone who is as hungry as you are. Because if you walk with those who are hungry for God, your own hunger is going to increase. Here's another one. Number four, guard what you watch with your eyes. Where did man's problems begin? In the garden, Adam and Eve's eyes. They looked at stuff. They took it when they shouldn't have. It broke their fellowship with God. Man's eyes have been a problem from the very beginning that break fellowship with God. And they're still our problem today. You need to guard what you watch with your eyes, what you watch on TV, on the internet, on social media, movies, whatever it might be. Throw in their pornography, obviously. Just guard what you watch with your eyes. There's a verse on this in Psalm 119, verse 37 says, Turn my eyes away from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Wow. Turn my eyes away from looking at worthless things and revive me in your way. Watch what we watch has a great impact on our hunger for God. Two more. Number five, and I think this is something I want really established in Church Unlimited as much as we possibly can, and that is to encourage you and your family to be in church every Sunday. I believe it's what God wants. I believe it's God's will for us. And we're going to make a decision somewhere along the line that nothing is going to keep us away from getting to church and also getting our family to church because it's one of the best things you can ever do for your kids. Please, please get to church every Sunday. Yeah, it's a sacrifice. Yeah, it's taking up your cross. Maybe there's other things you want to do, but really it is worth it. And if you do that week in and week out, it will increase your hunger for God. This is how it works. The more you're in church, the more you'll want to be in church. The less you're in church, the less you will want to be in church. So make sure your graph of church attendance is going up and not going down because as we know too many people get to the place where actually they're sick and tired of church and no longer come and our nation is full of that but outside of church is going to be very hard to maintain a hunger a strong hunger for God the last one I'd mention is time in prayer and in the word on a daily basis read your bible pray because when you do those things they do feed a hunger for God in your life Hunger is so powerful. Matthew 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Allow God, ask God to increase your hunger and step into a life of contentment and happiness, a life of victory, of greater peace, of greater joy, and of an open heaven that will allow you to see more and more breakthroughs. 
May God bless you and thank you campuses for joining with us today. We trust you enjoy the rest of the service and you have a great week next week. God bless you.